Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, great to see you guys. I hope you're having an awesome week and this amazing weather yesterday. Everybody's out in the yard, everything. Every, oh, it, it's just awesome and there's deer everywhere. Hope you guys are having some fun. Becca just said, not in the freezer. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Hey, great to meet you guys. Honestly, if I hadn't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Samuel, and Becca and I just have the absolute honor of serving you guys here at LifeWest, and we love it. And honestly, great to meet you, and I mean it. Stick around afterwards. Don't just shoot out, but stick around. I'd love to meet you. Say hi. Say hello. Uh, yeah, go grab your kids. Bring them back. We'll meet all of them. There's little snacks out here, some coffee. Hang out for a bit, and then go enjoy that nice weather. Get out there because it is gorgeous. But we're, we're in a series this morning in Galatians, and we've been in this just really looking at, going through it verse by verse, and just seeing what God's Word has to say. And it works. And I absolutely love this because what we're seeing as we go through this is Galatians was written by a, name, by a man named Paul, authored by God, and that's the Bible. The Bible was written by many different authors, but ultimately God inspired them, telling them what to write, and they did. So we say, written by a man named Paul, this is Galatians, authored by God, because as the Holy Spirit told them what to write, they wrote it. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians. I'll be reading NIV, follow along wherever you're at, but follow along with us. But we're looking at what God has to say. And yes, this was written to a group of churches in Galatia, but it applies to you and I today. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so we've been having a great time as we go through here seeing what it has to say and how it applies to us. And we're going to start again, kind of where we left, left off, a little bit of overlap here at Galatians chapter 5. But if we start with verse 1, this is what it says. And this is where we kind of went last week, which is, It is for freedom that Christ set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And Paul was writing specifically to a group of people who were being told to some Gentiles, some non-Jew believers who had joined the faith, made Jesus the Lord of their life, but then some other people jumped in and said, okay, that's great that you made Jesus the Lord of your life, now you got to obey the law. 613 commands, don't cut your sideburns, you got to do this, this is how you do this. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute. I thought Jesus paid it all. And so Paul's like, yep, he did. And we started last week and we said, most of us, few of us, I would say, in here or watching this right now, are getting pressured to follow the Torah, those 613 laws. It, it, it's just not where we live. However, he says, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. We're just saying that we're no longer a slave to fear anymore. But there's a whole lot of other things that we can be a slave to. A slave to stuff a slave to fear, a slave to lust, a slave to things, a slave to approval. And Christ came to set us free. Not so we could just be like, okay, well, you don't have to do 613 things anymore. I took care of all this for you. Yeah, you're free. Come and find me. And it's not just die and go to heaven. Like, okay, yep, that's good. That's great. And we're all going to die one day. Maybe you didn't know that, but we're all going to. Either that or Jesus comes back. But more than that, he says, it is for freedom that you were set free. And so we looked at last week, we started six steps to walking in that freedom that Christ paid for us. And step number one was let it go. Step number two was submit to God. 
And we said, submitting isn't, you, you, you're like, okay, I agree with that, I'll do it. That's not submitting, that's following. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm there. This is just the way that we're going to go. Submitting means you stop resisting. It's that area that you've been fighting them in. I'm the only one. It's the area that I've been fighting them in, the area that I haven't given up. It's that, it's that unforgiveness. It's that stuff. It's that pleasure. It's seeking after that. It's the approval of man over God. It's the seeking after everything else and trusting in my own strength but not his. It's, it's that area that we're like, no, I'm going to submit. It's handing that over to him. Resisting the devil. Then it's admit it to God. That's where we ask for forgiveness. Then we bring it into the light which is where we tell somebody else. And then today, we're going to pick up where we stopped at, with number six. There's six steps. A few of you come to me after the service like, oh, you, didn't, you didn't get to that sixth step yet? Well, hey, it's coming. It's coming. Just come back next week. But here's the thing. This is the doozy. Number six is the big one. And, and here's, here's, here's why I say that. Because so many of these other things, they make sense both both in the natural and it's biblical advice. And you're like, okay, so it's good. But it also would just make sense. You're like, yeah, accountability makes sense. Anybody think accountability makes sense? Raise your hand. Okay, we gotta, I'll preach on that next week, just so you know. Accountability, we got a new title. No, I'm teased. <laughs> There's some things that just make sense, but here's number six. And here's, here's the deal. When it comes to you and I, we all have different, we're all different. You look and you're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're different. Some of us have hair. Some of us have, have less hair. Some of us are like, I got too much hair. Some of you are like, I'd like some hair. Like, anyway, that, that, that'd be great. Some of us, we look at a donut and you just get bigger. And another one, like, you can eat 20 and nothing happens. And you're like, that's not fair. And you're right, it isn't. But we're different. We're different. And here's the thing. We all struggle with different things. I have never, I don't struggle with with the desire to rob a bank. I don't. I've never been in the bank just making my deposits and been like, I just want to jump over the counter and take money. Like, I just have to fight that. Like, don't do it. Don't. I have, that's not me. That's, that's not me. Um, alcohol's never really been a thing for me. Um, honestly, I think maybe I drank some once as a little kid. But that was, that was it, it's never been a, been a thing in high school when people offered it to me. I was like, no. And they're like, well, why not? And I'm like, I do too many stupid things sober. And they're like, oh, yeah, don't. You, you shouldn't have that. And they're like, Def, definitely not. And then I'm like, well, why? And then, and then it was really expensive. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to pay to drink. Like, no, I don't even buy pop. Why would I pay for it? Not water, please. Like, and then they, just, they bring you more. It's, it's great. It's never been a struggle for me, but I know people that it is. Drugs, mm-mm. Don't even really take something. It's never really even appealed to me. My mind and wanting to know what's going on. No, that's, that, that hasn't been it for me, but every one of us are different. And when it comes to breaking free, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22, says this, talking about there's certain sins that hold different people different. It says this. It says, an evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch him and hold him. This is the stuff that you're like, I'm never going to do it again. I'm not going to pick up that bottle. I'm not going to go to that website. I'm not going to have that thought. I'm going to forget. I'm going to do this. And yet you just find yourself there again. You're like, how did I end up here? 
It says that there's ropes that hold them fast. It's the, I want to quit. It's, I've, I go to group. It's, I tell people, I, I have accountability, and yet again, I find myself where I don't want to be, doing the things I don't want to do. There are some sins that for whatever reason, they just get their hooks in us. And like what Paul says, he goes, I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do. And yet the things I want to do, I don't do. I can relate to that. And the way we break out of this, this is the spiritual bomb that we get to use to break out of this, to get set free from these things that hold us. Isaiah 58.6 says this, Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? It's break it off. You know, we can do everything and do everything that you need to do in the natural, do it, but never forget the supernatural. Never forget the supernatural. There's, yes, we want to do things naturally, break bones, I'll go to doctors, absolutely, but I'm not going to forget the supernatural. There are things that I want to do in the natural, but I do not forget the supernatural. God is real. He heals. He's given me his spirit. I need to pray. I need to ask for his direction and guidance. Don't forget the supernatural. And when it comes to breaking free, from getting free and living in the freedom that God has for you and I, if there's something that's holding you, maybe it's a thought pattern. Man, I don't, I don't, so often, so often we deal with this one, that people are like, hey, I just have, I just have dark thoughts. And how, how do I get rid of it? They just, they just show up. And I'm like, why? And, and we start, and I go, what are you listening to? And what are you watching? And you can usually find a little bit of like, well, number one, stop that. And they're like, yeah, or I already have, or I've taken steps and I'm moving away from that, but it's still there. It's still there. How do I get it? Fasting. He says, it breaks every yoke. I shared last week about what had its hooks in me. I was going to sites I shouldn't have been on. I thought, I struggled with it before we got married, thought when I get married, it'll go away. It didn't. Brought it into that. I hated it. I didn't want to do it. I'd get so mad. I drilled holes in my laptop one time, destroyed through, broke it into pieces, threw it away. I'm like, I am done with this. We have no internet at that. I'm, I'm just going to get rid of this. It's something I did not want in my life. I hated doing it. I hated what it did to Beck. I hated all of it. And I find myself back there again, and you're like, come on. And yeah, I did everything I knew to do. I had accountability, but let me tell you the thing that really sealed it. And yes, it's one thing, and is it all of them, and is it one thing? And the answer is yes, it's all of them, and it's one. But here's what fasting does. And the way that I know how to describe it is this, is we're in Michigan. It's about to start snowing, which means sledding. I like sledding. I love it. I love it. It's so much fun. But think with me about sledding. After a fresh snow, you come out to a hill, and it's just about 12 inches of powder, just the whole hill, and you get your sled, your tube, and you get it, and you go down the hill the first time. You don't go very far, because you're blazing a trail. And then you get out, 
And then you don't walk up in the same one. Little kids, okay, you have to go around. Okay, you don't walk up the track or you'll ruin it. You go around and you come up. And then you put the sled, you put the tube on that same track and you go again. What happens the second time? You go farther and faster. And you're like, yes. Unless it's one of those like crazy perfect snows where it snows and then it gets warm and melt and you get the ice layer on top and you can stay on top. Then you go really far. But we're not talking about that, so don't think about that part. So you've got that trail. That second time, you've made that trail. You do it again, you go further and faster. After a while, that trail is so established that you get in it, and then you want to get out, and you almost can't. You have to fight your way to even get out because the track, it's holding you. It's taking you where you went before. And that's kind of like some sins that... We're just going down the hill. We don't even want to be near them again, but that track is there because we've been there before, we've done this, and it just, boop, sucks us in and shoots us right where we don't want to go. But I did everything I knew to do, and I'm like, okay, I am going to fast because this is the tool that we're given to break these yokes. And so what happened was it's like, it's like a fresh snow that comes down and fills in all those tracks that I've already made. It filled in that track. I could still choose to do it again, but I didn't just slide into where I had gone before. We can break free. Jesus says, I came to give you freedom. It was for freedom that he set us free, not to become a slave to anything else, to the law, to a little sin, to a pet sin, or any other of it. But he's given us what we need to break free from it. And the bomb that, just, that we all need and is available to each and every one of us is fasting. It's fasting. You may say, what is fasting? Fasting is a dedicated period of time that you say, I'm going to starve my body and feed my spirit. The spirit is what's going to get strong inside of me. I will tell my body it doesn't get what it wants, what it needs, what it has to have to survive. I don't give it to it. Why? Because my spirit will dominate. That is what it's going to be. Because you are a spirit, you live in a body, and you have a soul, your mind, will, and your emotions. And it's teaching your body, this is what's in charge. You don't get every desire you want just because you want it. And there's things that happen spiritually. Jesus told his disciples, they came to him because they'd been unable to cast a spirit out of a boy. And yet the father brought it to Jesus and it came right out. And his disciples came to Jesus and they said, why weren't we able to do this? And Jesus answered and said, this one comes out only by prayer and fasting. It is a tool that's given to every single one of us. Maybe you're new. Maybe you've never fasted before. Let me encourage you. Make it a part. Make it a part of your, maybe every week, maybe every month. But you pray and you ask God. Say, God, when and should I? And how long should it be for? And you say, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to deny my flesh what it wants, and I'm going to feed my spirit. And so you don't eat food. If God calls you to do a, a complete fast, you, you do what he calls you to do, but you pray. But make that a part of your devotions, of your daily devotions. God, is it time for me to fast again? What, what, what's dominating? Is it my flesh or is my spirit? What's stronger? What's steering? What desires? What is it that's governing my life? I want it to be you. I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be sensitive to your leading and your guiding. 
Fasting is an amazing tool, an amazing tool that he has for us. People who fasted in the Bible, Moses fasted in Exodus 34, 28. He fasted right before they received the Ten Commandments. Daniel in the Bible fasted. In Daniel chapter 9, he says, I'm going to fast. He did a 21-day fast. That, that, that's a long one. Moses did a 40-day fast, and he fasted water. That better be Jesus. That better be God telling you to do it, or you're going to be dead. You'll find out if it is or not. <laughs> Moses found out. He made it through it. They said, we can go three days without water. Moses did 40. It better be God telling you to do that. Nehemiah fasted at the beginning of a major project that he was going into that he felt God was leading him to do. Nehemiah fasted for some days. We don't know exactly how many. He said, for some days I fasted. But a typical fast is 24 days. Isaiah 58, 5 says this. Is this not the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a, a day for the people to humble themselves. Is it only... For borrowing one's head, bowing one's head, excuse me, like a reed, and for lying in sackcloth and ashes, is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? He was talking about the fast that they were doing. He's like, this isn't okay. But over and over, he says it, a day. And a typical fast is 24 hours. You say from sundown to sun up, or sundown to sundown, sun up to sun up. It's 24 hours that you say, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to feed my body. I'm going to feed my spirit. So it's not eating is a bad diet. That's not what we're talking about. It's I'm going to feed my spirit. I'm going to make sure that, that I'm, I'm spirit dominated, that I can hear those voices. And teaching your body, it does not get what it wants. It does not get what it needs. Because what I want and what I need more than food or anything else is my relationship with God. I need him more than everything and anything else. He says, this is the fast, this is the tool that's given to break free and to walk in the freedom that God has for you and for me. So number one was let it go, submit to God, resist the devil, ask for forgiveness. That's where we take it to God. He's faithful and just to forgive if we ask. And we bring it to somebody else, we bring it into the light. James 5, 16 says that we tell one another, confess one to another, lay hands on each other that you may be healed. We need to tell people. We need to tell people. We bring it into the light and we break it off and that's through fasting. It's a spiritual bomb that just breaks those hooks and, gets, and, we, and, and, and we're free. And let me tell you, I'm free. I don't have to mess around with that anymore. I don't. We still have conversations about it and Beck checks up on me and how are things going. But let me tell you, it is so much better to live free. Statistically, and I hope that we're not this, statistically, it's seven in 10, and it doesn't matter if you're a male or a female that's visiting websites that they shouldn't. There's a lot of people who are living in and that some different sins have hooks in. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe yours is something different. Let me just say this, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's big or small. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. It was for freedom that he set you free. Don't become a slave to anything. Don't become a slave to anything. Don't let it rule over you no matter what it is. Yes, do what you need to in the natural, but don't forget about the spiritual. 
and bring God into it, ask him for forgiveness, have some accountability, pray fast, break free from it, and stay free. Stay free because you can be. You can be free from it. Turn to the person next to you. Go ahead, turn to the person next to you and say, you can be free. Turn to the, uh, the person on your other side and say, totally free. So free is free. It's not partially free, it's totally free. And you can be. Don't settle. Don't live with I don't care if it's been 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, you've just been carrying this thing with you. I'm like, well, I guess it's just going to be a part of it. Get rid of it. Break free. It was for freedom that he set us free. All right, Galatians 5, verse 4, as we continue through. Paul writes and he says this, You who are trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the spirit of righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Again, circumcision was a sign of the law, of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And he says, Jesus came to fulfill that. It's neither here nor there. The outward expression, the things that you do, he says, that, that's, that's not enough. It means nothing to God whether you do these things or not. He says this, the only thing that counts is faith. Faith in believing that Jesus paid it all in what he did. Faith isn't just a decision, it's the way that we live. I live differently because of what Jesus did for me. Verse 7, he says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Verse 9, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. He's like, just a little, a little bit. He's like, not even a little bit of this. Don't have it. It ends up in everything. The following the law, he says, don't do it. Don't become a slave to anything, not even a little bit, not even a little. Continuing in verse 10, the one who has thrown you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he might be. Verse 11, brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Now, I read that, and I'm like, okay. And that's the NIV, and I get kind of like, and this is what I do. When I read, come across a verse that I'm like, that's kind of confusing. I just flip to another translation, see what I can find. And so in this one, I just thought, well, let's just let's put up another one. So this is the NLT version of the exact same verse. And he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if we're still preaching to you that you must be circumcised, follow these laws. As some say I do, then why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross, no one would be offended. I think different versions sometimes just bring some clarity to it. And if you're reading, you're like, well, this is just the Bible that I have. When you come across things, don't just skip over them. I think often we can just say, well, I just don't understand it. And we just keep right on going. Find something. Find a different translation of the Bible that might explain it a little bit more. I think this just makes it so clear. He says, he's like, no one would be offended if I wasn't preaching what I was preaching. And I just think that the NLT says it a little bit clearer. And then he goes on and he says, now as for those agitators, the ones that are teaching you that you need to be circumcised, that you have to follow all these laws, he says, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that's you, what you think. That's what he's saying. He's like, they think they need just all of it. Just, just do it. This, this is the Bible. Verse, verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another. He's like, you're called to be free. And there's some people who want to stop reading right there. There's an entire group that want to stop reading right there. And they're like, yep, Jesus paid it all. He did it all. You're called to be free. So live however you want. It's all okay. Because Jesus paid it all. And he did. But that verse says this, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Like it says in John 1.17, he says this. He says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's grace and truth that came through Jesus Christ. It wasn't like Jesus came and he's like, I'm all grace. Grace is you get something you do not deserve and we all need that. And Jesus came and because of his grace, I am saved. But he's full of grace and truth. It's grace and truth. And he says, you don't use your freedom to live however you want, to, to say that everything is okay and that nothing is wrong and that God approves of any and everything that we want to do. He says, no, 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 no. Don't use your freedom for that. That's not, no, 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 no. Jesus came full of grace and truth. John 1:14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Now, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. We spent a lot of time at church. That's just what it was. Um, we have one service here at Life West. When I was a kid, we had two Saturday night services, three Sunday morning services, and two Sunday night services, and a Wednesday service. I was there for all of them. We, we, we spent time at church. This is just what we did. And what I found and what I saw was a lot of people who were either grace, they were in this camp over here, which is Jesus loves me so I can do whatever I want because he loves me. And then there's the truth group over here, and they're like, that's wrong, that's a sin, and you're going to go to hell. And, that, and then there's this group. And there wasn't a lot of grace or truth. It was just there, was just, there was a divide down the middle of grace, I can do what I want, Jesus paid it all, and truth, you're wrong, you can't do any of that, and, and, and that's all bad. And you're evil because you're doing bad things. There were, there were these two camps. There was two sides. There was two ditches. But for every mile of road, there's two ditches. And Jesus came full of grace and truth. It's both. Paul says, don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. He's like, your freedom isn't for that. It's for serving one another. It's for serving one another. Jesus came full of grace and truth. And let me just say this. It's only through accepting God's truth that we can experience his grace. It is the only way. It is the only way. John 8:31. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you're truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's truth that sets us free to experience God's grace. 
Without it, we'll never experience that grace. John 14, 6, Jesus answered them, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We don't come to the Father through anyone but Jesus. And he says, I am the truth. He made you and me. And as our inventor, he made the world, he made everything in it. And as its inventor, he named it, claimed it, and put its purpose in it. And he's like, that's what it is. There is truth. He says, and the only way to the Father is through me. He says, I am truth. We can experience grace if we accept his truth. But if we don't accept his truth, we will never experience his grace. He came full of grace and truth. Jesus paid it all so that we could be free, not so that we could become a slave to things again. He made us. And he's like, don't mess with this stuff. It will not help you. It will take you where you do not want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. I changed the oil in my car. I'm one of those people. I just, I do, I change the oil. Some of you do. Those of you who don't change the oil, you're probably not here because your engine broke down. (laughs) Because it just has to be done. That's just the truth of the matter. And you can sit there all day long and say, well, I don't want to. I'm going to take this manual and throw it out the window because oil changes are just oppressive and expensive. And they're just there because they don't want me to have any fun. But guess what's going to happen to that vehicle of yours if you do not change the oil? I can tell you. I was driving down 196 and my oil pump filled with sludge and stopped working. I was pulling a trailer. It was not fun. And suddenly the car's like, goo, goo, goo. And I'm like, what in the world? Put it in neutral. And the engine went, ding. And I pulled over to the side of the road. And what happened when I went to start it? Nothing. It didn't even make a noise. You just heard a, ding. Just a slight little, ding. would be more like it. Ding. That's better. And that was it. Nothing was trying to move. The whole engine just, see, it was done. Took that pump out and was like, uh, I'd bought it used. I'd changed the oil, but the guy before me had not kept up on the oil changes. It had sludged up. Oil pump went out. There's things that just need to happen. No matter how we feel about them, whether we like them, whether we enjoy paying for them or not, if we do not do them, they will cause damage. And you can get by with not doing it for a while, but then it all comes crashing down all at once. You're like, well, how did this all happen? We have to accept the truth. And when we accept God's truth, we are free to experience his grace. It's not a freedom to do whatever we want, how we want, whenever we want. Hebrews 10.26 says this. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we received the knowledge of the truth. There's that truth again. We've received it. If we reject it, And say, nope, I just don't want to live that way. No sacrifice for sin is left, but only the fearful expectation of judgment and of the raging fire that will consume God's enemies. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot who has treated as unholy, as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace. God will forgive you. Yes, 
I love what it says here, though. Think about what it says. If we deliberately go on sinning, this isn't I've made a mistake, you're condemned to hell. No, this is not. That's not what this is. Proverbs says it very clear in Proverbs 24. It says, though the righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. This isn't you have to be perfect. But this is the, to the person that says, I'm going to just, God is full of grace and he is love and God is love, so he could not not like what I'm doing. And I'm just going to do it. And God is grace and there's grace, so I'll ask for forgiveness later. And they deliberately do something. There's a difference between an accident and deliberate, isn't there? We, there's grace over here. Everything is okay. And then there's truth over here. There's right, there's wrong, you do wrong, you're done. But Jesus came full of grace and truth. And here's what it is. We accept his truth and he will forgive us. But we don't deliberately go on sinning. We turn our backs from it. If we fall, we know six steps to help us get back out of it. And we're like, I'm not going to live this way any longer. But to experience God's grace, to experience this grace, we have to accept his truth and turn our back on evil. We have to turn our back onto it. There is a right and there is a wrong. And Jesus said it, and it's not up for vote. It doesn't care what popular opinion is or what one group says or doesn't say. Jesus said it. He said, I am the truth and the life. And you want to get to the Father, you have to go through him. And it's, it's accepting his truth that, God, what you know is better. We don't deliberately go on sinning. We make mistakes. I make mistakes. But I'm not setting it up. I'm not practicing sin. Practice makes perfect, right? You ever heard that saying? That's not what I'm doing. I'm not practicing. I'm not like, okay, well, this is how I'm going to I'm not setting up scenarios for me to, like, okay. Like, no, I, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to chase after this. I'm going to, no, I'm not going to do it. I've got filters on my internet. I've got filters on top of filters, and they're annoying ones. I rerouted my DNS. I don't know if you know what that is. And so it's a separate one outside of the entire house. And it's not easy to get a, go in there and rechange it. And every time you change it, and it re it's not fun. The sad thing is, is I know IT and I can get around most anything if I really wanted to, but I'm not going to make it easy. So even though I'm the one that set it up and the one that knows how to do it, I still set it so that if I need... Why? So I'd have to unset it if I ever did feel that I wanted to go somewhere I didn't want to go. I'd have... I'd have some steps in the way, some tripping points that would make it not easy because I don't want to go there again. It's for freedom that he set us free, but that freedom is not do anything and whatever. No, it's God, I trust that what you have for me is better and I want to do things your way. I want what you have for me. And think about it. If I really believe that what God has for me is best. I really believe that he knows better than I do. I have no trouble following what he has to say. It's when I question and think, but actually this might be kind of fun. But I don't think this will cost me more than I want to pay. That I begin to say, you know what, I don't... I, I don't know. 
Maybe I do want to do my own thing. I don't know whether you're right or not. But when we trust God and we accept his truth, we receive his grace. And he'll forgive us if we just ask. It's not a call to a life of perfect, but it's a call of God, I'm yours, I've made mistakes, forgive me. And pulling us out of things that would hurt us, that would harm us, because Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. That's what he wants for each and every one of us. And it's living in that, figuring out what our gifts are and using them to build the kingdom of God and to make a difference in this world. Not just going through our day doing something to fill it in or have fun or binge watching Netflix because we have nothing else to do, but we have a purpose and a destiny and we've got to get it done. We have places to go and things to do. But it starts with accepting his truth that there's a right, that there's a wrong. But the creator of the world who made you and me knows better and begin to lay down our wants and desires and pick up his and watch his fulfillment, hope, and peace come in our life. And that's my prayer for you. To whatever area you need to let go in, that you need to get free of, that you do. That you take those six steps and you do them one, two, three, four, five, six. That you find somebody that you're in a small group, that you pray and you say, God, how long should I fast for? Maybe you've never done it, maybe this is your first, or you do it all the time, but you make that a regular part of what you do. Say, God, I do not want to ignore the spiritual. I want to be dominated by my spirit. I don't want my flesh to just run me everywhere and get, it doesn't, it's not going to get everything that it wants, but you decide, I'm going to do this your way, that you accept God's truth. That the freedom that he gave you is to be free and you're not going to fall for this stuff any longer. And that you trust that God knows best. That he really does. And that what he wants for you is better. That the person who wrote the manual and tells you to change that oil isn't doing it to be a jerk. They're not in cahoots with the oil change places just trying to get your money. But that you say, you know what? If I do this, this is going to last longer. I'll get more for my money. That you look at God's word and you say, I trust it. I'm going to do what you say, God. I'll go where you go. Because I trust you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're in here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I just want to give you that opportunity right now. Here, online, wherever you are. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. That that gift that Jesus did, he did, he paid it all. But all we have to do to receive it is accept his truth, that we need him to ask him to forgive us and begin to walk in the purpose and plan that he has for us. If that's you here or online, at the count of three, I want you to lift your hand and lift it up high. And you're saying, God, I want to be yours. Today's my day. I give you my heart. One, two, three. Shoot it up high. Say, that's me. And today is my day. Hands down, let's pray. Online, everybody, let's just all repeat this prayer. We Just repeat after me. Let's pray with those that lifted their hands and those that lifted your hands. As you say these words, make them your own. Let's pray together right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me, for shedding your blood, for dying on a cross for me. From now on, I'm yours. I accept you as my Lord 
and my king. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I will serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.